And turn to Revelation 13. Let me see the Bibles tonight. I've not looked at the Bible. Hold them up just a minute. Man, I see red, brown, white, one with a cover. You need to take that cover off. A lot of black. God bless you. That's wonderful. Now, turn to Revelation chapter 13. Even saw some red Bibles. I believe every Bible ought to be red. <laughs> Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 Tonight we're going to look at this subject, what is that mark of the beast? Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Now, Brother David Young, an Englishman, a red-headed Englishman, is here tonight, been here, I guess, every night. A wonderful man, has some special second coming newspapers for you. I believe out here tonight, as you leave, he ordered them, got them here today on a Greyhound bus. And uh, I believe you can just go by and get one of those after the service, by the way, George Prolick said to tell you that he rushed, and we do have the tape tonight of last night's message. And if so, you, if you'd like to have six o'clock in America, go by and get that message. It'll be over here also to your right as you leave. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. And sometime I need to preach a message just on verse 14 because he's doing that very thing even today. Deceiving people by miracles. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, and that's an interesting word we'll look at in a moment in verse 16, and he causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their, what say it? Foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, say he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Things now are economically appropriate for the mark of the beast and for the emphasis of the Antichrist. Now remember in the Bible, the beast is indeed the Antichrist. But you remember when we opened this passage a moment ago, God says, like I preached on the book and the books the other night, there is the beast and then another beast. Another name for the phrase another beast is what? Does anybody know? That's right, false prophet. He is the false prophet. And the Bible has a lot to say about the false prophet who is another beast. And he is called another beast because he has a very unusual function. And the function of this other beast is to magnify every way he can the original beast or beast number one, which the Bible calls the Antichrist. He is the henchman. 
He is the uh, number two man in the demonic powers. You see, as you have a holy trinity, you have an unholy trinity. You have God the Father, and God the Son, that of course is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. But you have a counterpart to those three, and it's called the unholy trinity. The counterpart to God, of course, is the old Satan himself. The counterpart to Jesus is the anti-Jesus, or the anti-Christ, at Christ, and the counterpart to the Holy Spirit is the false prophet. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet. The three counterparts that are anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-Holy Spirit. And you're going to see tonight especially emphasize that third one who is anti-Holy Spirit. Do you know every time we have Starlight Crusade and we've seen an unbelievable demonstration of the power of God as we have in these nights, not only do we have every night the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also have present every night the presence of the anti-Spirit. He's here too. Not only is God here, Satan is here. Not only is Christ here, but the spirit of Antichrist is here. And God says, after Christ comes and those who are born again shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, we shall be raptured and do forever be with the Lord. After we are gone, then there's going to be tribulation and great tribulation on the earth. And a part of all of that scheme is going to be the great movement of that Antichrist, just like Leah's husband who may be born. Antichrist is probably somewhere upon this earth. And he is already making an effort, I'm sure, to do the very thing we've read about. And he will literally rule and dominate the earth. And the false prophet will be his helper, his henchman, the one to carry out his nefarious deeds across this earth. And what a process, the Bible says, that is going to be. In other words, after you and I have already gone to heaven because we're saved, the earth will become like a giant concentration camp with every inmate having a number. And I'm so glad that I'm not going to have a number, aren't you? The Bible says, the good shepherd knoweth his sheep by their name. And I'm so glad that I follow the good shepherd and not the idle shepherd because the good shepherd knows his sheep by his name, but the idle shepherd, the Antichrist, knows his slaves by their number. Now look at me. When the roll is called up yonder, when my name is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. But you're either going to be known by your name or by your number. And I'm going to ask you tonight, are you going to be known by your name or by your number? And God says those that are saved, those that are born again, will be known by the good shepherd by their name. He knows them and calls them by their name. But I'm looking at some of you tonight, some of you who are church members, some of you may indeed be a deacon, some of you who have been involved in the work of the church all of your life, some of you teenagers. And by the way, I appreciate you teenagers. Your attendance has not wavered any night. You have been faithful, consistently faithful, night after night. But I want you to understand that some of you are going to be known not by your names, but by your number. And that number, the Bible says, is 666. Three times six. And what a horrible number that's going to be because it will represent so many very things. Now I want us to look at the Antichrist tonight and the uh, false prophet and what they're going to do to mankind that is left upon this earth. Keep your Bibles open, if you will, and we're going to read right on through Revelation 13 
and see what God has to say about the Antichrist and the false prophet and the mark of the beast. For instance, look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Every Bible ought to be open. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast. Here it is, the false prophet, another beast. All that beast, the son of perdition. Many names are spoken of Antichrist and this other beast, the helper of the original beast. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, most translations do not say earth. They say land. Now, a Jew always, when he thought of the land, he thought of the Middle East. And when I'm in Israel, that's all they refer to, the Jews' love for the land. Now, we know that the Antichrist will come out of Europe, but the false prophet will come out of the land, out of the Middle East. And he is going to help that European as he literally enslaves this world after those that have been born again have been taken on to be with the Lord. I'm reading again, Revelation 13, 11. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. God says the one interesting thing about this false prophet. He's going to be meek, and he's going to be cooperative. And he's going to be so very nice, but deep down it's like a dragon. I've noticed as I've dealt with liberals across this country that they just act like a lamb until you get them cornered, until you really show what they're made of, then they act like a dragon. They've got the spirit of Antichrist. And God says the Antichrist, as well as the false prophet, will be on the outside like a little, meek, helpful, harmless, maybe even beneficial Lamb, But he says when you really get to know the beast and the other beast, even though their personality will appear at first as congenial and amiable and winsome, all of a sudden you're going to discover that that false prophet and that antichrist is not like a lamb, but rather they are like a dragon, cunning and deceitful. But friends, don't you be deceived by sheepskin. You've got to understand that beneath all of this is this false prophet. But let's go on. Look, if you will, at Revelation 13. When I say verses, by the way, tonight, they'll always be, unless I tell you otherwise, Revelation 13. Look at verse 12. And he exercises all of the power of the Antichrist, or the first beast. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the Antichrist, or the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, I find it so interesting that man would not worship God who had become man, but they would worship man who was trying to appear to be God. Isn't that the silliness of man? Isn't that the confusion of man? You say, well, preacher, I find it so interesting here that the Bible says the Antichrist is going to be interested in worship. People, you've heard me say and listen to it again. The devil is up to his ears in religion. The devil even loves it when some people join Baptist churches and Methodist churches and Episcopal churches and Presbyterian churches and charismatic churches. The devil loves it because the devil today is busy filling our churches full of people who have never been born again. Man, I know church members who curse, who drink, who commit fornication, I'm talking about not on just some occasions, but as a lifestyle, they don't think anything about it. They don't have any 
self-consciousness about it. They don't have any guilt about it. They don't even plan to repent about it. Sin is no problem to them. Sin is not an evil to them. Sin for those kind of people is nothing more or less than a convenience. They're not guilt-ridden by their sin. They enjoy their sin. They love their sin. They physically and sensually benefit from their sin. That is the spirit of Antichrist. I repeat to you that one of the functions of the false prophet is to get people to worship and God is always disturbed when people worship. If they don't worship, what are the two words? In spirit and in truth. God wants you to worship. The devil wants you to worship, but the devil gets you to worship in a deceitful way. Here is the lamb, but how deceitful he is. Because while he looks like a lamb, he has the heart and the teeth of a dragon. And while the devil wants you to worship, and the devil even wants you to go to church, he wants you to go there deceived, believing you're saved when you're not, believing that you can be a Christian and drink and commit fornication and live ungodly and go to evil movies and to live an unholy life. And if the devil can get people to worship on one hand and to live an unholy life on another, he's got them right where he wants them to be. And the Bible says the false prophet, his responsibility will be to get people to worship the Antichrist, and turn their back on Christ. People, any religion that does not have Jesus Christ as its focus is not a religion that honors God at all. You've got to understand that. We don't need more religion in America. We need less religion and more of Jesus. All kinds of things are going on today in the name of religion. In Los Angeles, California, once a week, a new religion begins, usually by some weirdo or some guru. I could not believe that when Mr. Jones took those people down to Guiana in Central America and had almost a thousand people to drink poison Kool-Aid, all of the papers talked about, listen to me, the fundamentalist preacher Jones taking people and had them commit suicide and everybody came out against fundamental religion. My friend, don't you know that Jim Jones was not a fundamental preacher? He was a communist. But the liberal press, the godless press, the hellish press wouldn't tell you the truth. And they tried to tell you if a man believes in the fundamentals of the faith, he has the capacity to take a thousand people down to Central America and have them destroy their life. But I want you to know every time you pick up a newspaper, you've got the potential to read a bunch of lies. Jim Jones did not kill those people because he was a fundamental preacher. He killed them because he was an insane man committed to the laws of Marxism, not to the word of God. Oh, folks, everything I know of that could happen today is happening in the name of religion. Anywhere from incest to murder is happening in the name of religion. And one of the functions I notice here, the Bible says of this false prophet, is to get people to worship a spirit of Antichrist. And First John reminds you that anybody who says that Jesus is not God is Antichrist. Now, look on, if you will, to verse 13. Look at verse 13. And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven. Now, that's a good trick. He makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You say, Brother Bailey, what do you think that is? I think it's an atomic explosion. You see, the Antichrist at this time will have already been ruling the world for a couple of years. And he will have at his disposal all of the arsenals and the atomic weapons of mankind. He'll have that. So I think what he's going to do, he's going to say, look, 
Those of you that don't take the mark of the beast, if you want to know what I can really do, watch this. And he has the men planned and they explode some distance from the populace, an atomic bomb. And people see a huge mushroom coming up and literally fire raining down from heaven. He says, how do you like that? You want to see something else? Really probably what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says fire fell down from heaven. Probably what God did is reached out and thumped one of those atoms and split it. God just took his little finger and thumped an atom and long before the theory of relativity, long before the days of Einstein, God just reached down and thumped an atom and had an atomic explosion and Sodom and Gomorrah was sizzled out of existence. And God says in that last day, this man will have so much power, he'll probably just explode an atomic bomb. But let's go on to verse 14. Look on in this passage. And deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. You say, Brother Bailey, do you mean the Antichrist is going to be a worker of miracles? Oh, that's right. You can even see some Antichrist on television claiming miracles. By the means of those miracles. Now, I'm not going to call him by name. You can go ahead and look back at the Bible. <laughs> by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. What is the image? What is the image of the beast? Well, probably everybody here watches television one time or another. And when you watch television, what are you seeing? You're seeing nothing but images. And so many theologians think and scholars believe that what is going to happen is that the Antichrist will take the vast earthly communication systems. He's going to use the satellites orbiting the earth and will show a picture of himself that's going to be set up by the false prophet. And the image will be created. Others say no, it's going to be an idol, a statue that will literally speak. Well, I know I read one time about that bear in Disney World. Many of you have been to Disney World and there's a bear. What's that bear show called? Something. But anyway, if you go to the bear show, <laughs> I am talking about B-E-A-R by the way. And... Uh, I talked about those others last night. Now, if you go to that bear show in uh, Disney World, you're going to discover that there's a bear by the name of Henry. He can make 24 different movements of his body in a second. Did you hear me? A second. And it's all computerized to the point that this bear, who is seven foot tall, it is so designed that, that even the movements of his body indicate the words that he's singing. For instance, if he were to say something's lifted up, his arm will point upwards. He can make 24 different movements a second. And they're saying, it's so interesting, this article about this bear at Disney World. Listen to one of the things that I thought was so interesting. And by the way, if the man operating that bear pre presses the wrong computer button, the computer tells him he pressed the wrong bear button. All right, now look. Here's what this article said. The taming of an inanimate computer with a bare mind, now listen to this, a beast that walks and talks like a man. Now what am I saying through that little illustration? I'm saying if a man can make a computerized seven foot bear, what can a man do who is empowered by the devil? What can he do? What can he do? You see, not all miracles are of God. My friend, you don't, if, if somebody gets on television and tells you about miracles, so what? We've seen 350 miracles this week. 
That's the greatest miracle of all, somebody being saved, somebody being born again, somebody passing from death into life. And not all power to work miracles is of God. And one of the spirit of Antichrist is miracles to show the power of those involved in miracles. You say, well, preacher, what's really going to be the function of this Antichrist? Let's go on and we're going to get to the heart of the matter in just a moment. Look, if you will, in verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. Here it is, in their right hand are in their foreheads. We're today where almost everybody has their mind on money and finances. I had lunch today with a very wonderful man. He and I talked much about what's going to happen with business, what's happening to the economic situation. If OPEC, they say, cuts the oil prices by a dollar and a half, three more banks in Oklahoma will go out of business. We live in that kind of teetering financial society. Never, listen to me, never has the financial community been so ready for the Antichrist as it is today. Never. You know why? Because all of us would like a little bit different financial situation. All of us would like to see a financial boom in the state of Oklahoma. When, when the world begins to desire financial answers to its economic dilemmas, the Antichrist will know he's got the world right where he wants it. And if America's economic prices are bad and economic condition is bad, you've got to understand we are in the best shape of any country on earth. And you realize that in Brazil, in Argentina, inflation today is 114% a year. And everywhere you go around the world, in the Soviet Union, you'd have to line up from here to the parking lot, as I've seen people do, to see if you could buy a pair of shoes. And when you got in the store, they probably would not have your size. And the Russian uh, workmanship is so poor, if you bought a pair of shoes, in two months they'd look like thongs. Now that's the kind of economic climate in which the Antichrist is going to find very fertile fields. He says the Antichrist will be causing people to wear a mark. My friend, if you are not saved and you don't know that you're born again and Jesus were to come tonight while you're asleep, not only would you go through blood upon the earth to the brows of horses, not only would you go through hailstones falling out of the sky a hundred pounds in weight, but God says you would be required to wear a mark on your hand or upon your forehead. The mark is 666. Now let's talk a little bit about numbers. The study of Jewish numbers in a study called Gematria. And that study is a very interesting study. For instance, the number one in the Hebrew language or in Jewish tradition represents unity. The one contribution, the great contribution Judaism made even to our faith is believing in one God. Nobody in the early day believed in one God. They were all polytheists. But Judaism taught one God. No wonder the Bible says there is one God in Israel, the God of Israel, and here's what all Jews remembered. The God of Israel, He is what kind of God? One God, that's right. He is one God. So the number one is unity. The number two, as you know, has to do with witnesses. In the mouth of two or more witnesses shall He be established. In the book of Revelation, who were those, how many two, how many, well, I just told you. Two great Jewish witnesses. And Jesus sent the witnesses out how? Two by two. Two is the number of witness. Three is the number of deity. 
Three and one, one and three. The Bible says, look at my fingers. Three there be that bear witness in where? Heaven. Three is the number of deity. What is four? Four is the number of the earth. Four corners of the earth. The Bible talks about the four angels that stand on the four corners of the earth. Of course, the four points of the compass. So four is the number of the earth. How about six is the number of man? Why? Because man was created on the sixth day. Not only that, because seven is the number of perfection. And man is not perfect. Man is less than seven. So he is six. You say, well, why three six? Well, what, what did I say was the number of God? Three. Three. That's the number of deity. So when you take man who is less than perfect, seven is perfection, six is the number of man, but when you go six, 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 three, the number of deity, three, three, the number of deity, three sixes, the number of man. What you're doing is adding the number of God to man and you get six, 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 six to the third power. In other words, it is perfect imperfection. The devil is as perfect as being the devil as God is perfect being God. You can't get any more sinister than the devil. In fact, we ought to call him the sinister minister. He is perfect imperfection. Man trying to scratch his way up to be seven. Six and six and six. But as much as he claws himself toward God, man can never be a perfect seven. Seven is just as good as you can get. Seven scales in a musical scale. You get to eight and you start over with number one. God is perfection. Seven is perfection, but man is the number of six. How about the number of ten? Number ten is the number of completion. Number twelve is the number of government. Why twelve? Well, what's the number of God? Three. What's the number of earth? Four. You multiply God three times four, the earth, and you get God ruling the earth. That's twelve. Always in the Bible, 12 is the sign of rule. For instance, in the Old Testament, how many patriarchs? 12. In the New Testament, how many apostles? 12. It's always God's number of ruling. And on and on we could go with all of the divisions of these numbers. But God says when the Antichrist puts that number with the help of the false prophet, 666 on the back of your hand or on your forehead, you will be marked. And if you don't wear that, the Bible says you'll not either be able to do what or what? Buy or sell. You can't buy a piece of candy or a car. You cannot buy a Coke to drink. You cannot buy a piece of food to eat. You cannot have anything that you will sell because no one will buy it unless you have the mark of the beast. Already we're seeing the invisible marks that people are able to make even on flesh that can only be detected when you put your hand under a particular beam and that number is seen. Now remember, the Antichrist is going to be nice to you. He's going to say, oh, do you not want that on your forehead? No, I've just got a new hairdo. He's going to be just like a doctor. He'll give it to you <laughs> several places. No, I don't want that number on my forehead. He said, well, look, let's just put it invisibly on your hand. And when you come out of the supermarket, you'll just put that hand under a light and it's going to look just fine. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, we're headed toward a cashless society. That's where we're headed. 
You say, now, Brother Bailey, do you really believe that? I don't believe it. I know it. I know it's going to happen. It is absolutely true that it's going to happen. Now, some of you have been in the cashless society a long time. Arnold Toynbee said, listen to Toynbee, a very brilliant historian. Man will come to such an economic precipice that he'll wait on the edge for a savior. And he'll find a man, listen to this phrase, I've never heard this phrase in my life except from Arnold Toynbee. He said, then they'll find a supernational, not supernatural, but a supernational organization to lead him out of his economic woes. We're headed toward one world government. That will happen. There will be a cashless society where everything is systematized and organized where you won't have to have one penny in your pocket to get by. The stage is set for it right now. Do you have any idea what the national debt is? It's a little bit more than yours. Do you know what the national debt is? Two trillion dollars. You say, boy, that, I don't even know what two trillion dollars is. Well, let me tell you how much two trillion dollars is. The national debt of the United States of America is two trillion dollars. You know what the payment is? One hundred million a day to service that debt. If we were to force those who owe us money, for instance, Mexico, to pay us back so we could better pay our debts, it would literally collapse this country because we would take money from other countries that owe us. If they were to pay us, we would put at least 11 different countries into bankruptcy if we were to require them to pay immediately all that they have owed us through the years. So we cannot acquire them to do it because they couldn't pay us anything back if they went into bankruptcy. And America, as other countries, is primed for some economic savior who will come our way and say, we have got to have help. U.S. News and World Report. Listen, I'm not reading out of Revelation. This is U.S. News and World Report. The cashless days are around the corner. There is a growing number of experts that say that it could be in this decade. They're talking about the decade of the 80s. We're living in a plastic world right now. One man said about his wife, <laughs> my wife needs plastic surgery. She's spending so much on those credit cards. A lot of folks may need plastic surgery. Listen to me. January the 1st, 1973, West Germany gave a number, and they still do it to this day, for every baby that is born. It's happening also in the Netherlands that every baby that is born gets a number. It is now being considered by the Congress of the United States to require a child when he's born to have a social security number immediately, not when he gets to the age of working. We're coming to a day when everybody is going to have a number. Listen, Willard Cantillon, in his book, and I recommend you read it, a very interesting book called The New Monetary System. He is a man that's been an advisor to many presidents. And Willard Cantillon says, as I've been around those who advise the president, he said, I am becoming more convinced that soon the entire monetary system will be run by a computer with a central control. He says that we are now at the point of no return. There must be a cashless society. And then Mr. Cantillon ends his very brilliant book by saying, it's not if we'll become a cashless society, it is when. A trade journal that some of you men get, in fact, all of the bankers here tonight get it, it's called Advertising Age. 
A few issues back, the Advertising Age Trade Journal said this, that we are now in the first steps of a cashless society. Here's what he said. Our biggest problem is, as bankers is to get the public to give up their passbooks, their cash, and trust the ominous computer terminal. The ominous computer terminal. And the false prophet, the Bible says, will get you to trust the Antichrist. You'll have to have the mark of the beast. U.S. News and World Report again said, here's the article. 200 million Americans being watched by the government. And in the U.S. News and World Report, it had a cartoon about this size. And it showed Uncle Sam looking through a microscope with a flashlight at Mr. U.S. Citizen. Because now they're trying to put on a giant computer everybody in America. It'll have your income, the taxes you paid, your birth date, your social security number, any numbers you got while you were in military. And it will be one giant computer. Uncle Sam is watching you. We live in this kind of society where you're going to have very few secrets, all of it's coming about, that you may not be a name, but you may be a number in a cashless society. You say, Brother Bailey, how's that going to work? It won't be difficult. You get off from work, you get paid twice a month, what will they do? They will send, listen, they've already determined, they will send your work units to the computer bank. And the computer bank, let's say you make a thousand work units, and you get a thousand work units for that two weeks. And then when you buy groceries, they will just mash your number at the grocery store. It will go to your computer bank and subtract the price of your groceries. You may have spent two units at the grocery store. They'll subtract that from the thousand units you just made. When you buy a car, they'll subtract the units that that car cost from the units you've accumulated at the computer bank. And on and on, that's going to go. You say, that's far-fetched. I'll tell you what's far-fetched is those stupid little lines on the back of that can of tomatoes I bought. Everybody seen the little lines? Raise your hand if you've seen the little lines. Now, folks, I'm not an old man, but I'm amazed that I can go to a grocery store and some gal can take a can of tomatoes and put it by a funny little window like they do at Brandon's over here. It scared me. That, that little computer said, that's 33 cents. I looked at it and good, Matt, you're smart. I mean, man, as fast as she can take those things by that little window, the computer tells me the price. You say, how, do you, how does that happen? I don't know how it happens. I, I mean, folks, I have no idea. All I know is there are a lot of folks in this world smarter than I am. I went to Walmart's in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and bought some, <laughs> hate to tell you, hairspray. And, uh, <laughs> and this girl took out a little, it, it wasn't one of these things. I don't know what this, it was a gun. And it had a little light on it. And she shot my hairspray. <laughs> Pow! And uh, all of a sudden that computer went. <laughs> I could not believe it. I mean, it recorded about a dozen things. You know, how much it cost, what department it came from, what was the name of the person. It just. <laughs> Have you noticed we're in a world of new sounds? Even Josh's toy. When I was a boy, you'd get a pistol and you'd go. Pow! It had a cap in it. But now, a kid in Georgia the other day shot me 12 times. And it went. <laughs> Never hurt, never died so loudly in my life. Being shot, a new day of new sounds, new machines, computer minds. And all of that is getting ready for the mark of the beast. Now, Reader's Digest is a bland publication. It's a good publication, but it's not out 
to get anybody. But recently it had an article by Mr. Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R, on electronic money. Here's what he said in that article, electronic money. He said the enforcement, do you remember a moment ago when we looked at verse 16? It says he will cause, look at that word, cause, cause you to take the mark of the beast. Here's what Mr. Schiller said, enforcement will present few difficulties. The economy will make it necessary for everyone to be in the computer bank or, listen to this phrase, they will become, listen to this phrase, a non-person. My friend, if you cannot buy and if you cannot sell and if you cannot barter and if you cannot trade, you're going to become a non-person. And if you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have never been born again, if you've never prayed the prayer of repentance and invited Jesus in, one day, here's the foot, here is the very choice you're going to make. You're either going to take the mark of the beast, the 666, the number of man on your hand or on your forehead, or God says you're going to be slain, and if you survive for a while, you're going to live in a world that hates you and a world that come out against you, you'll probably starve to death. You cannot buy, you cannot sell. You'll become what the Bible says, a non-person. Not the Bible, I'm sorry. The Reader's Digest said a non-person because you live in a world where you can neither buy nor sell. Now people, I want to tell you something. I don't want the mark of the beast. You see, you've got a choice. You can have the seal of the spirit or you can have the brand of the beast. What do you want? You can have the seal of the spirit of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I offer you this choice tonight. You can have the brand of the beast or you can have the seal of the spirit. Don't you prefer the Holy Spirit over the unholy spirit? Don't you get the mark of the beast one day? You say, well, I'll refuse it. I won't cooperate. We've just read where it will be no difficulty to get you to cooperate. You'll have no choice. My friend, it'll be a tragedy upon tragedy to bear the mark of the one who hates God and hates Jesus. But if you're left, your choices will be so tragic. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you, Will your name be called or will your number be up? Which is it? Which is it? I looked at one of these IBM scanners that they use at a grocery store. <laughs> I love IBM. That's a wonderful country. But do you know what the model number on that scanner was? 3-666. Does that prove anything? Absolutely nothing. The only thing I'm saying to you is this. That the world is getting ready for a climactic moment. The world is being shaped for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And my friend, if Jesus were to come tonight, and he may, one day some preacher is going to say that and he's going to come. And if you are left, there are going to be Methodists left and Presbyterians left and Church of Christ left and Baptists left. The only people that are going to be taken are the born again. And friend, if you have never been born again, you're going to be left and you'll have to face the choice of having the mark of the beast or going through a tribulation that you will not be able to endure. And what slaughter and what death will be if you're left upon this earth. My friend, you ought to be so frightened that you wouldn't leave here tonight without knowing for sure 
that you've been born again. I'm talking to church members, non-church members. I want to know for sure, are you ready if Jesus comes? Is your number going to be up or is your name going to be called? Which is it? It's one or the other. The idle sheep has them numbered, but the good shepherd knows them and calls them by their name. Would you be saved tonight? Would you give your heart to Jesus tonight? Would you be born again tonight? Oh, friend, give your heart to Christ. Don't you be left when Jesus comes. You say, Brother Bailey, I don't want the mark of the beast. I don't want to be left. I don't want to die and go to hell. My friend, I'm sorry, but that's exactly what's going to happen to you. Unless you're willing to know for certain that you have passed from death into life. Have you prayed that repentant prayer? Have you been saved? You heard Jim Murray of the Imperials talk about at this very stadium. He came one night and gave his heart to Christ. He had sung to millions of people the name of Jesus. But Jim Murray could never remember a time, he told me, and he told all of us last night, never could remember a time when he had invited Jesus into his heart. He made a little emotional decision, later rededicated his life, but had never been born again. I'm going to ask you to get born again tonight. You say, Brother Bailey, I, I repeat, I don't want that mark of the beast. My friend, if you don't, then I want you to get the mark of Jesus' blood upon your soul and give your heart to Christ right now. Would you be born again? Would you accept Jesus right now? Do it, friend, before it's too late. Invite Christ in. I'm asking you to be saved right now. Would you do it? Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, for whosoever, and you can be a whosoever, and if you're willing to invite Jesus in right now, do it. My friend, if Jesus is in your heart, that beast cannot hurt you. That beast cannot bother you. But don't you wait till you're required to take that tattoo and to be in such a miserable condition. Would you right now give your heart to Jesus that you may never face that day? If you right now want to be saved, you don't want that mark of the beast, but you want Jesus instead. I want you to right now pray this prayer silently. Pray it with me in your heart as I pray it out loud. Pray it. Pray it to yourself. Phrase by phrase after me. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Pray that after me now in your heart. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. I want to be saved. Jesus, I want to go to heaven when you come. Lord, I don't want the mark of the beast. So I take tonight the blood of Jesus on my life. Now thank you, Christ, for coming into my heart and saving me tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.